I said we're gonna have a good day. Welcome to Rise with Emily and Audra. I'm Dr. Emily McRae. And I am Dr. Audra Rankin. We are educators, healthcare providers, and mothers who view the world as an unlimited learning opportunity. Rise is a podcast that highlights how we learn from the experiences and stories of others to create new perspectives that improve our own work. Listen with us, think with us, learn with us. And along the way, be inspired to rise up above your day-to-day. All right, this really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. This really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. Okay, shouldn't come as a surprise. Because every morning we will rise. Okay, welcome Molly Creason from Well and Wonder and the Well Collected Guide. Molly is one of my oldest and dearest friends, and we are so thrilled to have her to talk a little bit about how she started Well and Wonder and how she became interested in art. So welcome, Molly. Thank you. Thank you all so much for having me. Can you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what your educational background is, and how you became interested in art? Yes, for sure. So I am born and raised Louisville, Kentucky, and I went to Vanderbilt University, ended up studying. Actually, my first art history class was a complete accident. I was in the arts and science school, and I believe I tried to sign up for a psychology or a sociology class with a popular professor. And as a freshman, it was full, and I got booted and and was not in the class. And they put me in an art history 101 survey class. And ended up falling in love with it. The professor was wonderful. I took every class I could from her over the next few years and studied abroad in the art program in Florence, Italy, which was awesome. My junior year of college, I ended up double majoring in English as well, because I thought that I would never be able to have a career in the arts. Uh, I thought I'd go to law school like most other English majors and art majors along with me that I graduated with and dabbled in that a little bit, but did not as a paralegal, but did not want to take that path. So it's interesting. I mean, it came full circle, but I was, you know, about 10 years or so after college, I did a a handful of other careers, mostly in nonprofits and then started well under five years ago when I was staying home with my first child and thought, you know, I think that there's a place for a virtual art gallery for regional Southern artists. And I'm going to try to see if I can make this work. That's great. I love how your story comes full circle. And I can tell just in those opening few words, how passionate you are, because you kept coming back to art and weaving that throughout. Do you believe that art tells a story? And what do you find interesting about Southern art in particular? Yes. For sure, art tells a story. But what's really cool about Well and Wonder, in my opinion, is I started it because I say that I wanted to make art buying accessible and not intimidating. Because a lot of first-time art buyers feel intimidated walking into an art gallery. They say, "I don't, I don't know anything about art. I'm afraid I'll, I'll look dumb if I ask these questions." So we kind of wanted to break down those barriers and make it just very approachable, accessible, and so beyond the actual art and being able to talk about, you know, we recently wrote a a piece for our blog 
series titled Walls of Wonder about kind of abstract art and how you can interpret it and what it means to different people. So not only talking about the story in the actual painting that the artist has done, but it was also really important for us that we talk about the artist and who she is and where she's from and what she's inspired by. And so our customers not only feel a connection to the painting, but then they're also able to say to people, you know, who may come in their home, you know, this is painted by Amanda Norman, an artist in Nashville. And I've gotten to know her through Well and Wonder. And, you know, we really want to introduce our customers, not just to the art and the story it tells, but also to the artists and their background. And so then I feel like that really just empowers the client and the customer. They understand it so much more. They're so much more invested in it. I completely agree. I mean, as a huge fan of Well and Wonder, all of the art that I've purchased has been not only because I love the art, but I do love all the artists. And I, I love being surrounded by, you know, people that are from my home state or who have a story, you know, that I admire or can relate to. And so I think it's really powerful. Can you tell us a little bit more about why you decided to focus on female Southern artists for Well and Wonder? Certainly. Also kind of just an accident I stumbled into. But when I started Well and Wonder, I had about four artists initially that were interested in working with me, you know, on a representation basis where I would market their work and try to sell their work. And they, you know, wanted a little help. And they all happened to be women that I knew were introduced to. And of course, they were all fairly close, you know, regionally to Louisville. And so my first thought was to keep it. And as I slowly started to add artists, I thought, honestly, just kind of to manage my load and and keep it small and manageable, I'm going to start with Southern artists. We're just going to focus on Southern artists. And the feedback was overwhelmingly, you know, I love this. And I think it's a lot about the aesthetic of Southern artists and how well that resonates. Female thing again was just because of these few women I started with that took a chance on me and even more so than the southern piece I think clients and customers love supporting female artists and also just the connection like we talked about earlier 95% of our customers are female I think anecdotally a lot of them are working mothers so they resonate so much with these women that are working and raising children and you know kind of getting to know their story. So early on, about a year or so in, it was like, okay, this Southern female thing is really special and we're not going to veer from that. So that's something that's really part of our core philosophy now. I love that. Is there anything, I know you've talked a little bit about the female artists, but is there a specific criteria that you use to select artists to be a part of your collective or I guess, in other words, how do you know the artists are the right fit for Well and Wonder outside of being female Southern artists? Right. Great question. I feel much more confident now than I did a few years ago. And we worked with some artists that were so talented, but their work didn't really resonate with our clients. And so getting that balance of what they're looking for, you know, I think that Obviously, I have to look at kind of a price point, obviously also a style. Our customers really like color. I suppose that may be a Southern thing. And also regionally where they are, 
as much as I literally know off the top of my head, 10 other female artists that are so talented in Nashville. You know, we already have a handful of artists there. So I'm looking for, you know, we're about to add an artist from Lafayette, Louisiana. You know, we don't have many in that market and, you know, kind of spreading the love a bit across the Southeast. So that's important too. Also just artists that it's taken a few years to learn that the ones that are also just very kind of mesh well with our brand as far as perhaps on their own social media or their websites, they're authentic and they're telling the same story we are. They're, you know, sharing parts of their life with the audience. And that just really resonates so well with people. So a lot of different areas we look for, we have, we're like right under about 40 artists right now. And that's pretty much capped for us. So we kind of hover around there and sometimes we're not even necessarily looking, but we did a call for submissions probably been two years now and had never done it before and didn't really know what to expect and was blown away. You know, I think we had over 300 submissions, a plethora of talented female (laughs) Southern artists. So I know that we will always have more than we can choose from, but we worked with an artist a number of years ago. Gosh, she was so accomplished. She had studied, she'd gotten a master's in fine art from San Francisco Fine Art Academy. And then she was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and her work was, it was incredible, but it was just, anyways, it was interesting because it didn't really resonate with our clientele, but now she's in the Mint Museum. So it has nothing to do with, <laughs> it has nothing to do with just interesting sometimes kind of what, what resonates and what sells well. It obviously has nothing to do with how talented these women are, so... Molly, in addition to starting Well and Wonder, you've also started the Well Collected Guide. And I think this is such an interesting idea and speaks so much to how Well and Wonder has forged partnerships outside of the art world, but certainly related to your work. So can you tell us a little bit about that project and how collaborating with these other Southern businesses enhances your work with the Well and Wonder Collective? Yes, for sure. So what we were finding was that, you know, in these cities where we sell a lot of artwork, Atlanta, Nashville, Dallas, Houston, Raleigh, Charlotte, Louisville, that there were clients that were coming to us and saying, okay, I love this work on paper I bought from Well and Wonder. Do you know anybody? Where can I frame it? And do I need to frame it? And where do I hang it? And do you know anybody that can hang? And so we kind of had literally just small lists of framers we had worked with, framers we recommended, interior designers that purchased art from us. And we were confident that they were really understood original art and the importance of original art. It was like, we need to be able to share this list somehow and make it for every person that buys a painting from this market. I want to be able to share this list with them. So that's how the Well Collected Guide was born. And it really is just a list of our vetted go-to businesses for everything and beyond art purchasing. And so, and that's kind of what obviously was happening as well was we were the place you go to, to, to buy the artwork, but a lot of these first time collectors still want a little bit of help understandably after they purchase the art. How do I light it? Who can help me with that? That's how that was born. And it's been really fun because then obviously we have all these interior designers, framers, experts in these cities that also collaborate with, they contribute to our blogs. 
That's what I'm going to North Carolina this week for. We're launching the Well Collected Guide in Raleigh, North Carolina. So we'll have a really fun event where all these different designers will get to showcase their talents and we'll get to highlight their work along with Well and Wonder artwork. So it's been fun and I think it's been really well received. I like that networking that you, you know, you've been able to pull together. You've mentioned these partnerships and collaborations with other businesses outside of the art world. Would you say that you've learned something from, or could you give us an example, I guess, of something you've learned from a partnership outside of art that has maybe influenced your business? One of the things that comes to mind uh, as Emily is asking this is your collaboration with a clothing company, because in my head, I often don't associate art and clothing together, but I'd love to hear more about that or other examples, because I think that that's a really innovative partnership. For sure. So we collaborated with Abby Glass, who's a clothing designer out of Atlanta, on her spring summer clothing line. And I was introduced to Abby. We're in a fellowship together of female entrepreneurs. And she approached me about doing this about nine months ago. And I probably was a little bit like you, Audra, and <laughs> couldn't quite understand or wrap my head around exactly how this would work. But I trusted Abby. And also she has a um, bachelor of fine arts degree and is a clothing designer, but a, very much a designer and an artist herself. You know, it was kind of one of those like, trust me, I got this. And so I said, okay. And together we went through a handful of our artists that we thought would their art turned into a print would translate well onto her clothing and her clothing is it's really pretty it's lovely it's I think she always says she's inspired by 1960s so it's very classic feminine tailored women's clothing so to kind of translate it from here to there to there and we called the list down and she chose three artists she wanted to work with each artist was thrilled to participate it's really cool because they're all very, very different. Annie King is an artist in Atlanta and her work's very abstract. Maria Driscoll does collages of fruits and flowers. So it was really cool to see the collage translated to the print onto the clothes. And the last one, Millie Sims did um, kind of abstracted chinoiserie, also very feminine print. The cool thing about that is I think that I've learned over the years, because we have done a lot of collaborations and, you know, initially I I think that I thought, well, it needs to line up so perfectly. It needs to be perhaps another brand that sells artwork or furniture or home decor or something that is just so similar to mine and to Well and Wonder, you know, but then what I learned was, you know, what really was more important was that the person that I'm collaborating with and their brand and their audience jives with ours and that's really what's been so cool with the abby glass collaboration is that that's exactly it you know it's not about how many followers on social media abby has it's about that i know her customers are looking for the same thing that our customers are and their vision of home and lifestyle and what they want to invest in and what they care about you know these southern women it just lines up so well with our audience and so that's been a great learning lesson because I have collaborated with brands, you know, that I've been so excited about that seem that it would be the perfect fit. And they may have many more thousands of Instagram followers or this, that, and that, but 
it doesn't really ever bring the same return that I'm hoping for that, that I think this has. And so that's been really cool to kind of see the difference of not always looking for the, the shiny object, but really trying to find something that's so similarly the brands line up so well in that sense. I think that's so important and you highlight the importance of having the same vision and mission and goals and that's so fundamental to any type of partnership and I think oftentimes we to your point forget about that we you know go for the biggest company or the the people who have the most followers and maybe that's not exactly the right way to go that was one of your takeaways so you very casually and humbly mentioned that you were part of a a group of female entrepreneurs and but you didn't really go into a lot of detail can you tell us a little bit more about being named a Tory Burch fellow with such a incredible group of other women who are entrepreneurs and and just a little bit about that experience and the people you've met within the program and I am just so interested in the knowledge and skills that you've gained and what's influenced you while you've been talking to to these other female leaders. Sure thank you it's been awesome and it's wild how it all happened because I applied to be a 2020 fellow which means I applied before this pandemic hit and I was in the interview process. I think I had a final interview February, 2020 and was told in that interview that if I was chosen, there were 50 female entrepreneurs chosen. Tori Birch's foundation is all about empowering women. And specifically they have a fellows program where they choose 50 female entrepreneurs for a year long fellowship of learning and gathering. Well, so what was supposed to happen was if we were chosen, we were supposed to fly to New York for a week long leadership meetings and kind of a kickoff event. And so obviously we all know where that story went. That didn't happen. So we, everything was pushed a little bit. And in June of 2020, we were invited on a Zoom. We still didn't really know what was happening with the program. We didn't know we had been chosen yet. And so they they actually kind of tricked us and said it was one last final interview. And it was a Zoom where Tori Birch herself and the foundation team was on there to surprise us to say we had been chosen, which was great. But obviously, we none of us were traveling to New York and this program was going to look a lot different. And so I actually just graduated this past week. It was really cool to see how much... Yes, huge bummer that we didn't get to New York and we should be going spring 2022, fingers crossed. So it was a bummer, but they really pivoted and, but it ended up being so much better for us. There was so much programming. I mean, I, during our graduation, (laughs) well, that's what we call it, but it was really just kind of a one last Zoom. You know, a lot of women said, I felt like I have another master's degree. I don't have a master's degree, so I don't know what that was like. I imagine that's a lot of work. It was a lot of work, but it, it was amazing. You know, we kind of would break down into different months or quarters. Kind of this first month is all finance 101, not my favorite. So luckily we got that out of the way right in the beginning, moved into marketing. They had these amazing leaders that would come in and, and lead us and do large group webinars. Then we would get, you know, one-on-one office hours all the way through the year. And we just culminated with a they called it a, a lab. It was, I don't like the word competition, but it was a pitch competition in a way. But just to be in some the same room with some of these amazing leaders and, and people from all over, very accomplished, talented folks from all over the country was really cool. So 
I learned a lot, but you know, the Tory Burch Foundation always, you know, kept reiterating to us that probably the most valuable thing is is learning from each other, which has been so true. I was introduced to Abby Glass, who I spoke about earlier. We collaborated on this clothing line, and so many of these women that are in all different sorts of businesses, from food and beverage to clothing to health and beauty. But what what we've kind of learned from each other has been valuable. So. Yes, it's been really cool. Thank you. Congratulations on the graduation. You should, you. You should congratulate yourself. That's a, that's a huge deal. So I can tell that you really value in your fellowship, but also in our discussion around your partnerships and networking with others, the simple fact of learning from others. And that has really impacted your company. So thanks for sharing that with us. In addition to being a business owner and an entrepreneur, you're a mom as well to two children. How do you practice self-care? Oh gosh, I... (laughs) Hardest question. (laughs) I don't know how well I do that, but you know, and you're asking me in the summer when one child just came in and interrupted this podcast. (laughs) Gosh, I try to, you know, I just schedule in things and make myself do it. Even if my plate seems really full things that, you know, as I've gotten older exercise is just as much about mental health for me as it is about, you know, anything else. So getting in a Pilates workout or a Peloton ride, I kind of just put that in the calendar and, try my best to make it happen. I have started, it's an indulgence, but I get massages about once a month and it's uh, that's one of my favorite, favorite things. And yeah, just trying to separate them a little bit. I feel like, you know, try to keep the work here, try to keep me time here, try to focus on the children when I'm with them. That's the end goal. Sometimes it can be messy, but I think that's a, a good way to look at it is to, you know, kind of be present in whatever you're doing and schedule time for each one of those things because they're so important. Molly, we end our podcast with a series of rapid fire questions. So it's just kind of the first thing that comes to mind, very short answer. So our first question is, what's your favorite leadership quote or book? Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. I love Brene Brown. She is one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Okay, question number two. What is one thing on your wish list related to healthcare? Yeah, I would just say research and during cancer, finding a cure for Alzheimer's, just had a friend lose her mom. We believe, as you can tell, in the value of lifelong learning, and you have been learning a lot through your career with Well and Wonder and the Well Collected God and Tory Burch Fellows, but if you could learn anything new, not necessarily related to your business, but just for fun, what would it be? Probably another language, probably Spanish. I never took Spanish. I always loved studying language. So with all that extra time I have, I'll let you know how that works out. But I'd, love to, I'd always love to learn another language. No, it's so funny that you say that. I just decided that I wanted to learn French. So I downloaded Rosetta Stone and I'm doing it in my car. Stop well, there you go. See, that's, I took French and I feel... And I <laughs> the problem is my accent is so bad that I get every single pronunciation, it doesn't pick up. So I just get... Well, it's hard with 40%. <laughs> And my children are taking Spanish at school. And so they come home and tell me what they've learned. And it's like, oh, sad. Like, I, I can't even follow the elementary. 
Spanish. <laughs> well, Molly, thank you so much. It was so much fun to hear about your work and so wonderful to have one of my dearest friends be one of our first interviews. So thank you. And thank you. It was so fun. We loved learning about Well and Wonder. Thank you all. You all may be thinking that art is a part of the foundation of liberal education. So what does it have to do with healthcare professionals? We believe there's an opportunity to use the arts to inform the quality and delivery of healthcare. At a very basic level, how we connect with art through the storytelling of the work itself and also through establishing connections with the artists can guide how we connect with our patients on a deeper level and even help us understand barriers to care and healthcare inequities. That's exactly right. How often do we think about the stories our patients are telling us? And how often do we use those stories to guide the care that we deliver? One of the things that Audra and I loved about the development of Well and Wonder was that it was created on the premise that art is an intimidating world and instead it should be accessible and approachable. I don't know about you, Emily, but Walking into an art gallery and feeling like you don't know what you're doing can be a very scary experience for me. I often wonder if I'm interpreting the painting and connecting to the painting in the right way. Even when I know that the beauty of art is to connect on a personal level, that there isn't a right and wrong, sometimes I feel like I'm not doing it as the artist or gallery owner expected me to. I agree. As we think about inclusion as a value in our work as healthcare professionals, it's important for us to also think about how we can break down barriers to make healthcare more approachable and accessible. Right. Just like Well and Wonder, we never want members of the communities that we serve to say, I'm afraid I'll look dumb if I ask these questions. So thinking about innovative ways to make healthcare approachable and accessible where it's safe to ask questions and maybe understand things in a different way is vital to our inclusion efforts. I thought that another powerful point from Molly's interview was just the idea of connection. As I said earlier, my office has several pieces of art that I love and they remind me of home or Maybe just the colors remind me of Carolina Blue Skies and Chapel Hill. Or some of the art is just in my office because I feel like I connected to the artist. Maybe because the artist was a working mom with a story to tell that resonated with me. What works for me is very different than what works for other art buyers. Maybe, Emily, even for you. I think this concept, though, is at the core of person-centered care. It's truly individualized and it includes multiple contexts. Just like we all connect to art for a variety of reasons, the colors, the artist, maybe the micro region of the country it originated from, we can connect to individuals the same way. Care is holistic and it's specific to the person. And we have to respect that what works for one family may not always work for another. Just like in art, appreciating the value of connection, who the patients are, where they are from, and what they are inspired by can make all the difference in care. 
I agree, Audra. I think you've articulated that very well. Well and wonder, another thing that I think they've done well anyways is they've been very intentional with their business partners. Collaborations that may have seemed off the beaten path to them, as Molly said, have ultimately enhanced the well and wonder client experience and strengthened their business. In healthcare, we also have to think about intentional and innovative collaborations that include not only healthcare professionals, but also our patients, communities, policymakers, industry workers, and nonprofit stakeholders, just to name a few. Think outside the walls of our healthcare settings and into partnerships that share the same vision of serving others and delivering high quality care that can significantly improve outcomes. Well, and Wonder has so many examples of this, Emily, through collaborations with clothing companies and also through the Well Collected Guide. And, you know, as Molly was talking about the importance of the Well Collected Guide, I couldn't help but think about how much that relates to healthcare. Oftentimes, her clients buy art but don't know what to do with it, where to have it framed, how and where to hang it, the best placement for lighting. And, you know, that may seem like trivial decisions in the world of healthcare, but we can learn from that. How often do we give our patients a plan of care and, and send them on their way? In other words, we give them art, but they don't know where to hang it. <laughs> exactly. How powerful would it be, though, if we were thoughtful in our approach and gave them a guide where to get medicine, how to take care of yourself at home, who to call if you're stuck and have a question, just like Well and Wonder has bridged the gap from buying art to making sure clients enjoy the art. As healthcare providers, we can think about how we can equip our patients with resources so that they can not only get the plan of care from us, but the tools to actually implement it effectively. We can do that through outside collaborations, through influencing policy, and at the core of everything, honoring individual and family preferences. Molly ended our interview today discussing the value of learning from others. As always, Audra and I hope that we've created a place for you to learn, to learn about art, and to think about how we can use the experiences from others to inform our own work in healthcare. This podcast isn't about healthcare. It's about how we can learn from others to make healthcare better. Thanks so much for joining us. Rise with Emily and Audra was produced with Resonate Recordings. The original song, Rise, was composed and performed by Alex Crum. All right, this really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. This really shouldn't come as a surprise. Knock us down a thousand times in the mornings we will rise. Okay. Shouldn't come as a surprise Cause every morning we will rise